Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapist. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm. My co-host is Katie Vernoy. And if you wouldn't mind going to wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. That definitely helps us out. Today, we are being confronted. We... we <laughs> We have missed something. This was brought to our attention by one of our listeners in response to our episode with Stefan Lewis, where we were talking about race and therapy and very, very rightfully so was it pointed out that we overlooked a often overlooked community, the Asian American and Pacific Islander therapists. Our listener, Yin Lee, is joining us today. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And here to tell us about what we're missing and how we can do better. So thank you very much for joining us. Hi there, Kurt and Katie. This is Ian. Set up quite the stage, confronted. <laughs> a, a, well, a welcome confrontation. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And I, you know, you reached out to us on Instagram and that is definitely a way where maybe over time I'll be better at answering those questions and messages, but certainly feel free to, for all the rest of the listeners to, to send us an email or to join our Facebook, the modern therapist group and, and call us out on stuff. Cause we, we may put you on the hot seat and bring you on the podcast, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, as we ask everyone, who are you and what are you putting out in the world? Yeah, my name is Yin. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I practice out of Portland, Oregon. I also see clients online from California. And I'm very passionate about sort of normalizing mental health, wellness, and therapy services in Asian communities and really sort of advocate for that in our therapist community as well. So that's part of why I wanted to be on the show. And thank you for having me on. And like I said, this is a very welcome pointing out an area that we missed on. And unfortunately, this is also an area that I think that therapists in general often overlook is in the broader context of talking about race, cultural competence. It's Asian Americans are often overlooked. Why do you think that this is? I think that is part of the, the, the the racism and discrimination that Asian Americans experience. So that is an expression, that's an extension of that, the invisibility in race conversations, either in the broader community or in the therapist community. So that's one thing. Why that happens, I think, you know, I have some thoughts, but one that comes to mind is sort of this model minority myth, you know, that most Mm -hmm. Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders are doing well 
you know, a lot of times income or education numbers get pointed out, you know, they're doing better than the average American. So these things don't apply to them. The difficulties doesn't apply. The reality is a lot of those numbers are aggregate numbers. So you lose the data that is more telling for subsets of the Asian American population, like Southeast Asians or Pacific Islanders and Native Hawaiians gets lost in that data when you aggregate it. So the, the, the true stories of, of how well Asian Americans are doing gets lost. I think that's part of the reason. I also have my, my perspective as an Asian American. So I'm, I'm curious to know from you guys, like, why does it get left out? I, I don't, you know, like, I, I only know from my side, you know, sort of curious what you guys think as well. I think that's a hard question because I, I know for myself, oftentimes there's things I don't know that I don't know. And so even thinking about the aggregate data, that's something I hadn't really thought about. I think there's yeah. definitely stereotypes that are are pretty present for all races, for all cultures, all types of folks. And I think that that model minority, I think that concept rings true for me as well, as far as that seems to be potentially a reason that that happens. I think for myself, I'm an, I'm, I live and work in a community that has a large Asian American Pacific Islander population. And so for me, it feels like almost a majority. So I don't know. I think I think the big the big answer that I have is I don't know. How about you, Kurt? Many of our listeners know that I grew up in Montana, which is even less diverse than Southern California here. So really coming in from a very, very outsider perspective and having talked with some of my Asian American colleagues about even some of these issues, I think part of this is that even in referencing Asian American, that that encompasses so many different cultures that oftentimes we look at it as just Japanese or just Chinese or just Korean and forget about a lot of the maybe less successful aggregate populations that come along with this. And where it is so important to point out that the Pacific Islander and other cultures that fit within this broader Asian American culture really do interplay with all of this. I think also coming from my personal background and kind of just a gut reaction is that in looking at racism with other cultures, the language barriers that come up between native English speakers and the languages that come with Asian cultures are such a bigger barrier than people who are speaking English and are able to bridge those conversations a lot more easily. And so it does become even a little bit more self-segregated in some ways, just as a barrier of being able to start some of these conversations because the historical divide between the two groups has, has been there for so long and hasn't really had an opportunity to say, hey, we're here too, and to have that really last and, and to stick. Yeah, it's helpful to, to, to hear what you guys think too about it. Yeah, there's definitely structural issues that, that happen. Language, like as you mentioned, and sort of a self-segregation that happens. And I think there is a piece around sort of we don't know what we don't know. You know, it's like how much are we trying to find out what we don't know? You know, sometimes I, I get into this piece around you know, Asian American, Pacific Islanders, Native Hawaiians, like I am not as well informed about, you know, Pacific Islanders and Native Hawaiians. I'm like, should I speak on their behalf, you know, and 
have an API umbrella or is it just Asian Americans? And there's, you know, so I, I understand that piece, but I think it's how much are we trying to learn about our blind spots? I think that's what I'm trying to, to, to bring up. And I think that's such an important point. I think about the, the history in the United States and we don't have a good track record in taking care of our Asian American immigrants. I think to World War II and, and the Japanese internment camps, I think about, you know, kind of where our history is. I don't know that I'm, I'm speaking into this question as well as I'd like, but I think there's this part of our history where there's been this kind of deep-rooted racism that has, has been going on for a very, very long time around Asian American and potentially Pacific Islanders as well. I, you know, I, you, what, what umbrella are we going to look at? You know, that kind of stuff. But I think, I think it's something that for whatever reason, and I don't know if there's kind of more of a cultural difference in communication that, you know, or even actual language barriers that Kurt's talking about, if there's different ways that each of us approach authority that each of us, you know, like, I don't know that there's like, how does this conversation come on a larger stage? How do we improve the education that we receive in elementary school about all the different cultures that make up the, our amazing country? You know, like I, it's, it's something where not knowing all of the different pieces, I think as, as an individual, I hope that I, when I find that there's something I don't know or, or that kind of stuff that I'm seeking that information, but I think systemically there's this piece of our educational system that primarily teaches the history of white men, you know, kind of learning about women, learning about people of color, learning about immigrants, about all the different folks that make up our country and make up the history that impact our country, I think is something that we're just starting to like tap into maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm off base and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there's it's, it's not just like, how do we, how do we, how hard are we trying to know what we don't know? It's how are we as a society trying to open the perspective to include everyone and to make sure that as we're doing that, that we're not still not including everyone. Right. Right. Exactly. No, I agree. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Part of what we're taught as clinicians in training is about kind of the cultural differences of how Asian American clients might be approaching therapy in the first place. Yeah. And it comes with kind of this reservation of, 
I'm going to way over stereotype this, but they have a different view on therapy period. And so it, I don't think even in our graduate level education, if we're going to build off of what Katie's talking about, even more specific to our training, that there is a whole lot done to really emphasize the unique needs and desires of Asian American clients. And if we look at people who enter into the therapy field, generally they're people who had good therapy experiences. And if we're not welcoming of Asian American clients, then it makes sense that we're not seeing kind of this large echo of Asian American therapists really wanting to enter into the field. And without the numbers there and the support there, that it does seem that this would be an area that doesn't see the same kind of cultural competency advances that we would like to see with other, you know, cross-cultural conversations here. One group that since uh, Ian has reached out to us that I've become aware of is the Asian American Psychological Association, which uh, from my very brief look into them seems to be doing a fantastic job of saying, hey, us too. And, you know, I, I, I really do applaud this. I'm not super familiar with the organization, but I think that it's this kind of a needing to band together and not be pushed down. And what really stood out to me on their website is a letter that they had sent to the American Psychological Association about a video on racism that the APA had put out and that even the APA's video did not include Asian American Pacific Islander instances of racism. Mm -hmm. I think that this is something where, you know, I'm, I'm the, white man in this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) This is really, you know, coming back to, I I know that I can echo some of this stuff. I can do my absolute best to be an ally, to advocate, but I don't know exactly what that is in, in uniqueness to one group to another. And really other than continuing to echo this message to embrace you know, I, I brought up con- confrontation at the at the beginning of this episode. Of, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that this is a good thing. Yeah. I, I struggle for this not knowing what I don't know as far as what's next. I You, you have me signed up. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your question is what's next? What do we do from this point when, when I have this awareness that maybe Asian Americans are being not included in conversations? about race okay what do we do next Mm -hmm. i think part of it is is really reflecting on you know what we talked about a little bit why is that you know is it a stereotype is it a what i attribute to a language barrier or a segregation why is that and then going a little bit further you know as a clinician bringing that into the therapy room like i don't know if you guys have you see asian american clients but to think about, if you do have Asian American clients, to think about what is happening in the therapy room between myself and my client. Have mm-hmm. I brought up issues of race? If I haven't, why haven't I? What, what is the client leaving out from the therapy room? Have I sought out consultation on this client? Like, what am I missing? You know, and really going deeper into it. Because I do think that somebody like myself, you know, showing up in the therapy room, it's, I think it's very easy for me to be seen as the issues of race doesn't affect me because, mm. 
you know, I don't have an accent. I'm, you know, kind of blend in, you know, blend in in sort of this American sort of culture, right? Not blend in as a white person because I don't look white, but so that it's easily, that I could be sided with whiteness in some way. Mm -hmm. So to really question in the therapy room, what is happening? And oftentimes I get client colleagues that say, well, they never bring up things about race. That's not what they are. They came into therapy for. And that is true, right? But they still live in this context, you know, of being seen as a foreigner. We still live in this context of not being represented. So even if their primary reason for seeking therapy isn't related to race, it's still there. And it doesn't mean that you bring it up immediately but it means that you're thinking about it. How might these clients' symptoms be related to how society sees them? I think that's so important. And I, I think you and I, when we had our initial conversation, I had mentioned that, that I had had a family that came in and I brought it up in a very clunky way. And they basically said, no, we're, we're basically white in how we interact. And so it was something that, that was then dropped, although I think that there's there could be things to explore there <laughs> about that, that attribution. But even since that conversation and some other conversations we've had and, and some trainings I've gone to, like I find that with my clients who come in, and actually I have a lot of Asian American and Pacific Islander clients who come in because I, my, the community that I work in has a larger population of, of Asian American and Pacific Islanders. I find that in the more recent conversations where I'm beginning treatment, I'm finding more of the family immigration stories about what brought them to the country, you know, whether it was their parents or them, you know, how that's impacted, you know, the language differences. And I realized that I had missed that before, that I hadn't necessarily gone to those stories and, and kind of opened the space. It was almost like it was felt like a magical thing because I was like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I've got all these, you know, immigration stories and I'm hearing so much about race and culture. And I don't even think that I consciously was asking like some hard question or it certainly right. didn't feel as clunky as it did that time long ago when I did that. But I think it's something being able to open that space and see that difference and see that that, that context that this person is living in, I think has helped me dramatically understand my clients. Right. So thank you for, for pointing that out in our conversation a few weeks ago. But, but I think for me, and I think this isn't to continue to grow my learning as well as I think, you know, as part of our survival guide podcast is what do you think that, that white clinicians, Asian identified clinicians, whatever, what do you think that clinicians often miss when they're working with Asian American and or Asian American and Pacific Islander clients, however you want to, whoever you want to speak for, I guess. Yeah. in this moment. But, but what do you think is often missed? Because I think for me, even just having that, that brief conversation with you about what are you doing about that piece mm -hmm. kind of open that up. But I think that for folks who are, who are kind of looking in that and have may, maybe missed that piece, mm -hmm. what should they, what should they be aware of? To your question, like, you know, what clinicians might be missing, it's one is sort of not talking about it at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, you know, you're basically white, even though the client is, well, the other thing that I want to talk about that is when, when somebody says I'm basically white, you know, they're saying something there too. Yes, know? of course. So what does that mean? And everybody's racial identity formation goes through, you know, the, you know, depending on which model you use, like there's different arcs of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So they might be at a, at a place where they don't want to talk about race, that they have a lot of internalized 
oppression within themselves that they're not ready to talk about that, right? So as a clinician, being watching for that as well, because the timing of when you talk about it is also as important as talking about it. So I think what clinicians miss is, is one, not talking about it at all, right? Just being like, I don't bring it up. I don't bring it up. It's like being a couples therapist and never talking about sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, you're missing a whole thing, you know, about the experience of this client. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of good reasons for why people don't talk about it. One is like, you know, I'm nervous. I, I feel I don't want to mess this up. I, I don't want to offend anyone. And all these pieces that, that stop you from doing that, which are all legitimate. But how do you get over that? I think that's one thing. The other thing is like, then there's clinicians that's like, I know I have to talk about this. You know, I know it's the right thing to do. But then it comes out kind of maybe, like you said, clunky or maybe not as skillful and or without context, you know, yeah. like how does this relate to what the client brought in? How is this in service of the client's growth and development, right? Yeah. I think the intention about bring, why you're bringing it up is just as important as bringing it up itself, right? Because yeah. I think sometimes we, I have a lot of privilege in other ways. So like sometimes I like, want to alleviate my guilt in certain ways so I'm like okay let's talk about that. <laughs> so <laughs> like, so let's talk about it like with intention to help the client and what they're working with so like the context I think is very important I think that's such a good point I want to I want to have you continue because I know there's more points to make but I want to talk about this one and really quickly is for me and I think if, as I'm thinking about it in the first situation where it was very clunky I think what I had done was ask it to check check a box like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm noticing that we're different. Is yeah. that going to bother you? And they yeah. said, no, you yeah. know. And it yeah. and and in these more recent interactions, when I've been very focused on it, and as far as as part of their lived experience, it has been it has come out organically in the conversation in talking about growing up and and you know, kind of looking at the family dynamics and what was it like growing up and and what were your parents' experience and and it it. it really pulled it into, oh, well, my parents were immigrants and this is what was going on. And, and I was the translator and, you know, like it, it organically came up versus, Hey, I noticed you have a different race than me. What do you think about that? Like it definitely, it was, it was much more organic and I think it did flow and it, and it just felt much better for me as a white clinician to say, Hey, let me show a little bit of understanding. Let me open this space. Let me do the context. But I guess the question I have is, is that sufficient? Is there, are there things that I'm still missing in that type of conversation? I don't know if I can answer that question. I might have to think a little bit more about it. I think having that conversation is such, a, such an important start already. Yeah, I have to think about it a little bit and come back to you. Um, I, prob- I probably just need to schedule a consultation, so I'll, I'll make sure to do that. <laughs> Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. If I can jump in and maybe to something else that is an extension of this is I'm, I'm seeing now with second and third generation clients, but also clinicians who are now coming in as 
a, a mixed background of having a half AAPI background and a half white or a half other background that are now even struggling within the bigger cultural identity of how much of a part of themselves is coming from each of these different cultures and feeling even maybe more on the outskirts of these conversations because they don't fall into the traditional categories. Is there a unique way or a unique touch that needs to be brought along in having that conversation as well? I think mixed race folks have a, you know, a particular experience, you know, of being accepted and rejected. And am I enough of one or the other? Who am I? Similar to, to, you know, folks who have been adopted into white families, uh, similar to maybe someone who is not mixed race, but are living in two cultures, like, uh, my parents are traditional Chinese folks, and I am. I've lived in the U.S. for you know most of my life. So how do I balance these two cultures? I think it's similar in that way of integration, right? Like, yeah. Uh, and it takes a lot of work to to create a sense of self that is integrated, not these desperate parts that that maybe coexist together, but that you can't actually bring together. So how do, how do we help clients integrate their, their sense of these different aspects of themselves? I think that's what, I, that's what comes to mind. I think that's really important. And I, I think it also really highlights how each person's experience is so individual mm-hmm. because there are so many different pieces of context. You know, when in the history of your family has, has immigration occurred, when in the history of your life has you know, kind of this integration and that kind of stuff occurred. What other contexts are relevant, whether it's, you know, mixed race or other things, it's each person is going to have their own experience. They're going to be at different, you know, kind of developmental stages as far as their racial identity yeah. and or cultural identity. And I think it's something that in being really aware of this full conversation and making sure that we're not assuming that there is an easier or a different process for AAPI clients, I think is really important because we need to really be looking into this context for every person. Yeah. And, I, and also I think the, the, where they grew up is so important as well. Kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that as it reminded me of this because, you know, if you grew up, you know, in the Silicon Valley or in San Francisco and in some parts of LA where there are other mixed race people around you or there's other Asian people around you, your sense of identity is very different than if you lived in Iowa or even Portland, Oregon, uh, Mm -hmm. where you might be the only Asian American kid in your high school. So your sense of self and what you've internalized is very different. And when you come to therapy and you're working through whatever you're working through, those things affect you differently. So the integration piece might, might look very differently for a client who grew up in LA versus somebody who grew up in Oregon. For sure. I think kind of taking this to the next step, because I think we can look at kind of how clinicians take care of their clients and the type of conversations they have. But we do have, even though, I don't know the numbers, so I don't know if Kurt found that before he was saying that there's not as many Asian American therapists. But, But if we look at that, what do you think is the, you know, potentially maybe your experience or what you've heard from Asian American Pacific Islander colleagues about being a therapist of AAPI descent and 
and how that impacts your experience of the field, how that how you interact with the educational system. Like, how do we support our our colleagues who yeah. are AAPI? Yeah. So I, I I do have that number. I think I saw like a report. Maybe it's early two thousands that. I think 0.4% of uh, marriage and family therapists are Asian Pacific, Asian American Pacific Islanders. It's 0.4%. That's very, and very That's very low. And the population in the U.S. is about 5.3%. So, so it's a big discrepancy there. But how do we support, you know, how do I feel, like how does it affect me as, a, as an Asian American therapist is that I think it's, I think I feel like I, I have to, you know, I've been primarily trained in sort of, you know, the sort of Western white dominated mm-hmm. environment, right? So I was one of two Asian American therapists in my cohort in grad school. All the readings we've done assumed that the, both the therapist and the client were white, except for my multicultural class. So um, I think I had to work harder to find out how do I support my Asian clients in the therapy room because some of these theories doesn't apply to them um, fully, right? Yeah. Um, and when, once I left grad school, I've done a lot of reading on my own and there are a, there is a lot of research and things that Asian clinicians are doing in terms of you know, the, the Asian uh, Psychological Association and different things and different academics that are putting research and studies out there. So I had to do a lot of that on my own and figuring, mm-hmm. figuring it out, not just like working with an Asian client because I'm Asian, but because how do I actually be more effective in the therapy room with an Asian client, right? Mm-hmm. Are the theories different? Does the practice look different? Does my intervention look different? So having to do a lot more of that, that work on my own and also in consultation, like I really value peer consultation and, and, and consulting with consultants and, and different people in my work. So as an Asian client, as an Asian therapist, where do I go for that? You know, I have less, a limited, a more limited pool of people that I can go to to address these uh, concerns that I have. Like if I go to an EFT training, you know, we're not really talking about cultural issues. We're talking about EFT, the model, right? Yeah. So how does this, so I have to, I think, reach, you know, search more and sort of reach out to these resources more. And I think what, what other people, what people can do in general is to really, you know, if you are an adjunct faculty or if you're running for the camp president position, <laughs> <laughs> is to really demand more from our professors and from our organizations, right? You know, I remember in my multicultural class, I think we read something from the 80s, from like Sue and Sue's textbook, you know, this is kind of like, this is crazy. This is not sufficient. Uh, there yeah. is more uh, recent and more relevant information on these topics. We just need to look for them and really um, ask for it. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that really came up to me is uh, you pointed out a couple of you know positions that I'm in, but how through writing test questions for the licensing exam here in California, one of the directions that we're given in referring to clients and examples is don't put a client's culture in unless it's relevant to the answer. And which <laughs> is an attempt of moving into this cultural competency space, but it it helps to continue that all clients are white unless otherwise. 
Yeah, right. And yeah. and I think that, yeah. you know, this is where my cultural readings were from Sue and Sue when I was, you know, in, in grad school. And <laughs> this is Me too. They're really, you know, they were really good. They were, you know, I I can't think of many people who are even in part of that same conversation, but it has advanced, you know, and this is really everything that Katie and I are, are advocating for about our profession is that we, we shouldn't stop moving forward that, you know, this is where my, my work in supervision, Matthew Mock from San Francisco area does great supervision trainings on multiculturalism coming across in the supervision room. Another great resource when it comes to Asian American therapists, Asian American Pacific Islander therapists and clients that this has, has not stopped just because this is a, a population of therapists that has not traditionally been able to stand up and really be able to gain the attention of the majority of association leaders, education leaders to say, this is not sufficient. doesn't mean that we need to agree that it's sufficient with where it's at, that this is a great call to action that, you know, this is not enough. And it does start with those of you, you know, wherever you're at in your career to be able to say that this is not enough. I think, I think what I really encourage clinicians to do you know, I think especially white clinician is to more than, you know, like learning about my multicultural therapy is really to examine, you know, your biases, your uh, preconceptions about Asian clients and how that might be affecting the care that you're giving to them. You know, Asian Americans are three times less likely to seek uh, mental health services than, than, than the average population. They are the population who are least likely of any ethnic group to seek out therapy, and they drop out of therapy prematurely. So when that client, that when that Asian client comes to your room, like just treat it with care. You know, like it took them a lot to get there. And so, what are you doing to help them and keep them in therapy? Because if that's you know that's what they want, right? But to really treat it with care, to really examine what might be reenacting in this room that might be affecting whether or not they stay, or whether or not they benefit. And I think the piece that I, I would say to Asian American therapists is that I oftentimes, when I meet Asian therapists and, and talk to them, you know, they're like, I, I love that you're so like bold about saying you only work with Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Or, um, or when I look at their profiles, you know, like they work with Asian Americans or they work with, you know, navigating culture, but sometimes it's like the last thing that they specialize in. And I think I would say to them that, like, if you have this passion to work with Asian Americans, to lead with that, to really be bold and be like, this is what I want to do with my practice. These are the population I want to work with and help with. This is what I want to be immersed in and learn about how to be efficient and effective in working with this population and to really be bold and just go for it. Because I think a lot of times, and I understand the economics, the financial considerations and all this stuff, but I think... Asian Americans are dying for therapists that look like them, that can understand them, and they can provide competent care. And it's really for Asian Americans that are thinking about it. Like, I should, I want to, but I'm scared. But, like, I really encourage you to just go for it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that message. And I definitely am going to be thinking about how I can stand up and uh, kind of do my part 
in increasing these conversations because this was, I think, a very powerful conversation. Thank you so much for being here again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Where can people find out more about you and your practice? Yeah, they can look me up at theralane.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, theralane.counseling. We're going to include links to that in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. It's not evident from this episode. Please reach out to us. Give us your feedback. Come and flex on our Instagram if you feel that we're missing on something. Come over to our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist group. Let us know. We definitely want to create space for every therapist to be able to move forward. Uh, While you're on our website, check out the Therapy Reimagined 2019 conference. That'll be here in the Los Angeles area, Universal City, October 18th and 19th. We are so excited to continue to address issues of diversity and to make it exciting and not othering and all sorts of very, very cool things. So check out all of that on our website as well. And until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy and Yin Lee. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.